What's up, friends and family? Have you ever wanted something to change in your life but didn't know where to start? It may require self-control, but that starts with surrender. This is episode number 43 of the Keep Breathing Podcast. Here we go! Welcome to the Keep Breathing Podcast, where we talk about real life and share real hope one conversation at a time. My name is Jimmy Akers, and it's a privilege for me to have the opportunity to share with you today. It's a blessing to be behind this microphone and know that you are on the other end, whether you're listening on speakers or headphones or earpods or whatever tool that you're using to listen to this episode. Thank you so much for joining us. And this is episode number 43, and I'm excited to share this with you. I have a message I want to talk about It has to do with self-control, something that we may not necessarily enjoy, but it is absolutely necessary for us to live a victorious life. And that's true whether you would consider yourself to be a person of faith or not. But I have this message that I shared earlier in the year with our church at First Christian in Fort Myers and just been praying about when to share it. And this felt fitting for all kinds of reasons. Uh, Today was my first day back at the gym, the time that I'm recording this intro. Uh, After Hurricane Ian, I have not been to the gym since Hurricane Ian. It took place in Southwest Florida, so a little bit over a month. And I have been active in a lot of different ways with hurricane relief and cleanup and those kinds of things. But I posted this today. It doesn't matter if you're dragging carports or cutting down trees or dragging massive tree limbs or carrying dressers out of houses that have been uh, just full of water. (laughs) It does not equal a hit workout at DreamFit. So shout out to my folk at DreamFit. And man, it was quite a workout today. And uh, But just so thankful to have the opportunity to start to try to establish a new rhythm and uh, yeah, and I'm, I am a, uh, I want to say a serial starter <laughs> or restarter, and I'm thankful for that. You know, I talk quite a bit about my health journey and the struggle that it is that I have in that area, especially, and uh, which has to do with food, it has to do with sleep, it has to do with hydration, it has to do with fitness and activity levels and all those things. Um, But, you know, the thing is, is that the one thing I can say is there's plenty of times that I have felt defeated in this area. And so when I'm talking about self-control, this will come up, but it's not just about physical stuff. And that's another part of this. When to talk about that, (laughs) a lot of times it really is a spiritual thing, too. But the thing is, is when I share about this a lot of times, there's there's been plenty of times where I felt defeated. Uh, I felt like a failure in this area. However... I can say one thing, and I'm not sure, maybe I've learned it from my mom uh, and all of her health issues of pushing through and overcoming and just enduring through very, very trying things. Uh, I've joked with this sometimes before me and my mom talk about nine lives. You know, they talk about cats have nine lives, and I think my mom's on like number 13. And she's just been through so much, but overcomes so much still and continues to try to push through. And, um, I'm proud of her for that, and I love her, but that endurance, I believe that she's given that to me in this way, that uh, even though I feel defeated a lot of times in this area, and I struggle with this almost my entire life, uh, I've not quit, and so again today, it was a new day to begin again. I'm so thankful for God's Word and Lamentations where it talks about that His mercies are made new with the sunrise, and new mercies 
again today. And so, and Jesus even challenges us about that when we talk about worry. He says, why worry about tomorrow? It's got its trouble for its own. So he's given us some new mercies. And so whenever you're listening to this, man, just know that, that God will help you start again. But sometimes we want change in our life. And there's got to be some level of control that takes place. And yes, there is this part of your personal faith that you want God to be in control of your life. But he gives us wisdom and he gives us the capability. And we have to make some decisions sometimes. We have to take charge in some capacity. I love this thing that Pastor Mark Matterson says out of Washington, D.C. He's a New York Times bestselling author and pastor and writer that I've looked up to for a long time. But he says this thing where he talks about that we need to pray like it all depends on God, but work like it depends on us. And uh, some people have a different uh, view on that. But I do believe that, that if God's giving you the ability to do something, that sometimes we want him to just do it for us. And that's not how it works. Right. It's kind of like when you're working with children. You know, and this is not just with my stepson, but all throughout the years of ministry I've been in, you're not just trying to raise good kids, you're trying to raise amazing adults that love well and are willing to work hard and, you know, just not expect everything is owed to them. And just there's a lot of things there. So we got to be willing to take steps, but we want change, but sometimes it's going to require self-control. Self-control is hard, and the thing that I share in this message, kind of the takeaway, I'll give you a little appetizer of it, but is just that self-control actually starts with surrender. It's not just about you taking charge. It's not just about you trying to figure this thing out, but it starts with surrender. Years ago, when I was in the process of planting a church in Pennsylvania, Daybreak Church, shout out to all of my Pennsylvania, Maryland Family, I love you so much, and uh, man, it was an incredible season of my life, um, for most of it, until my life uh, exploded, but uh, I'm still so thankful for the things that God did, and for all of the people that were a part of that when we were there, but I remember going through the church planting process with the church planting organization, the very first step in the training that they offered to us, number one on the list, talked about priorities, and they talked about winning the war in the spiritual first. And even today, you know, when I first started going to this gym, I dealt with a lot of anxiety. And um, it kind of worked its way out as I kept going. And uh, today I felt it more than I have in a long time because it was my first day back. (laughs) And one of our dear friends, my dear sister, Laura, she was talking about the workout today and how crazy it was going to be. I said, don't tell me that. I'll go to McDonald's instead of to the gym. And uh, But I got there, and I'm thankful that I did. And I felt better after I did, just like I always do. We're talking about physical self-control. But again, winning the war in the spiritual. And so there are some of you that you are desiring for something to change in your life. And maybe there's been times where you have tried to take control yourself. But I think self-control and the fruit of the Spirit, there's a little bit a different connotation to that because the self-control I believe that God is talking about is for us to walk in such a capacity where we are actually in self-control and that fruit being developed and produced through our lives it has to do with us letting Him lead. It's not just us having control. It's actually Him having control and that control being on display through our lives whether it's the things that we do or the things that we say or the places that we go, that those decisions are dictated by us saying, you know what, this is pleasing to the Lord. This is God honoring. What does this look like in my life? But we want change in our life. We need to take some steps t- towards self-control. But 
It starts with surrender. So the concept, again, of winning the war in the spiritual, you know, the thing is, is surrender is tough because when you talk about surrender, a lot of people equate that to losing or failure, um, defeat. But that's not how it works in the kingdom. It's exactly the opposite. When we surrender something into the hands of the Lord, it gets better. You know, we can see this in so many different ways. Uh, the young man with a couple of uh, fish and a couple of loaves of bread. I've heard preachers talk about it was a Long John Silver meal. <laughs> but uh, the thing is, is that that's all he had. But when, when they t- took that little meal, and there's thousands to feed, and they put it in the hands of Jesus, and when he blessed it, as the scripture says, it fed thousands. That little bit in his hand surrendered into his hand, and he told the disciples, you know, get him something to eat. And so taking charge or self-control based off of the command of Jesus, finding this boy with this small bagged lunch, and then putting that back in the hands of Jesus, surrendering that into his hands, it was able to feed thousands physically, which then probably gave him the opportunity to feed thousands spiritually with the words that he shared with them. So winning the war in the spiritual, it's surrendering back into his hands. And so I just want to share two passages of scripture before we transition and before I let you listen to a, a bar, part of this message that I got to share with my FCC family. First is Proverbs 16.3, and both of these are from Proverbs. It says, commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. And man, that's that's a pretty powerful thought, right? That we can just put it back in, into the hands of Jesus. But the thing about that is that we're committing stuff to God. Part of that is understanding that it may not play out the way that we want it to. And for those of us that actually struggle with control, again, control is different than self-control as the fruit of the Spirit. It's a different thing. To be controlling is not actually a healthy thing. And that's why I love God, because even though he has the ability and the power to be controlling, he gives us choice. And I don't want to have a theological debate with some of y'all out there that don't look at it like that in your interpretation of Scripture. But what I do see is self-control in Scripture and God calling us to have that be something that is produced from our lives. But we can't do that on our own. It's got to come from Jesus. And I want to share this too, and this may be a more familiar passage with some of you, but Proverbs chapter 3. And man, I'm just telling you right now, for those of you that are trying to figure out a situation, and I'm not just talking about self-control here, but just period. You're trying to figure something out. And sometimes there are just some things we cannot figure out on our own. We're just not going to. Maybe God needs to bring some other people in our life, the community aspect of it. But man, this is so, such a powerful uh, word for us. It says to trust in the Lord with all of your heart, not part of your heart, not a part of your life, all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding, which we do all the time because it feels comfortable, because it feels like something we are manufacturing on our own. But no, it says, no, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding and in all of your ways submit to him and he will make your paths straight. I don't know about you guys, but I have taken the wrong path quite a few times in my life. And usually it's the longer way and sometimes it's the harder way. <laughs> and God will let us walk through hard things too. But man, yeah. So a couple of things before I share this uh, message clip with you. First of all, thank you so much for being along for this ride, this journey. 
with this podcast. Thank you so much uh, for taking the time to listen. I do pray that it adds value to you. If you haven't already done so, share it, rate, review it, whatever you're listening with. Let people know. And uh, if you want to join us on this journey, you want to be a part of our, our team. I have an incredible missions team that prays uh, for the work that we do, and some of them also give. And if you want to be a part of that, don't do lifealone.com. Click on missions. Uh, you can give a one-time gift or a monthly gift. Also, a lot of you are tracking with us with the hurricane relief efforts. And there's so much more stories, and I'm just trying to process them all, to be honest with you. And uh, there's still so much more work to do. So thank you for giving towards that, praying about that, and uh, just uh, reaching out and the support that we've received. Man, thank you so much. We've been able to help a lot of people. And I'll share more of that eventually. Um, it's that that story's still being written. And uh, man, and this, this past week I had the opportunity to go up and I was able to preach with our dear friends up in Ohio, Fort Recovery at Christ Chapel, my dear brother, Pastor Q. And man, it was such a good time with them. And we got to see a bunch of kids sponsored and Lord willing, we'll be taking a trip to Kenya with them next year and uh, to serve. And I'm just so thankful for what God's doing. And literally, when I'm recording this intro, less than 24 hours ago last night, we were at the Gathering House. If you missed last week's episode, or the, or the one before that, Dr. Les Harden, man, go check him out. In the last week's episode with Matt and Jamie, um, the Gathering House is a part of their work that they're doing. And we had a writing and self-publishing workshop last night with the six incredible people and uh, keeping it small intentionally. And man, it was amazing. It was amazing. I'm still kind of processing it. But I can't wait to see what they do with their stories and how we can be along the ride for their journey. And that's the thing. God has us in this together. And for some of you, I've never met you physically. And uh, I may not before we step into eternity, but it is a blessing for me to have the time to share with you. And I don't take this for granted. I have listened to podcasts for years and have found mentors and brothers and sisters that God has used to invest in my life in incredible ways through this medium. And so I don't take it for granted. And that's why I'm trying to stay committed to these weekly episodes, even if it means I'm in my closet late at night, <laughs> literally trying to get this intro done so I can drop this this weekend for those of you that listen on the weekend. And uh, man, our subscribers are growing. And just thank you so much for being along for the ride. But here's the thing, friends. As we're trying to bring some change into our lives, it's going to require self-control. But that's going to require surrendering it back into the hands of Jesus. So thank you so much for joining me. We're going to go ahead and jump into a clip of this message talking about self-control. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Talking about self-control. You know, a couple weeks ago, I got to preach about patience. And when I would ask people how they felt about patience, they'd, ugh. And so this week I've been talking to people about self-control. And it's a very similar response Self-control. God wants to produce all of the fruit of the Spirit in and through our life. One of the things this is it points us to who God is. It points us to his character. And these things help accomplish his desire. He wants 
all the lost to be found. He wants the bound to be set free, the broken to be healed, and the world to be reconciled unto him. It is interesting that the word control is the only fruit of the spirit that is attached with the word self. Not just indicating a call from God to control our actions, but the intentions or desires behind those actions. A biblical definition for self-control, the virtue of one who masters his desires and passions, especially his sensual appetites. So it's not just about moderating the type of food that's on your plate, but the motivation or the things that's driving those decisions on what goes on your plate. It's not just about controlling the words that you say, but the depths of your heart and the pain that made you want to say those particular words in the first place. And here's the thing. When we start talking about life change and we start talking about behavior modification, we lean into that. But if you're like me, having struggled to control or modify consistent poor decisions or bad habits, you know that by just trying to do something different, it's not always enough. Sometimes it takes more than that. And we need to understand why we do the things that we do. And maybe we even need to find a new why if we really want things to change in our life. And maybe we need to get help. In a couple of minutes, we're going to discuss this more. But it's really hard to change your life and even produce the fruit of the spirit of self-control without anybody helping you. And some changes in our life are actually impossible to achieve on our own, which brings us to our big idea for today. Self-control starts with surrender to Jesus. Self-control starts with surrender to Jesus. And there are practical things and steps and we're going to talk through a couple of those things today that we can implement. There are things that we can do to help us walk through life with more self-control. But real transformation starts and ends with the creator of all things. God loves you and he loves me and he takes us as we are. But as he's always trying to transform us to be more like Christ, he loves us too much to leave us as we are. He created us for more than just existing or getting by. And here's the thing. God is more invested in your life than you are. He's more invested in your life than anybody else is. Even before you were here, he was invested in your life. Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. When we get off track, God's so beautiful with redemption stories to bring us back on track to get us back to where he's trying to get us to because he's not finished with our story. He's not finished with bringing real life transformation into our lives. Self-control starts with surrender to Jesus. I experience this all the time with people that come to our church and they're trying to navigate faith or they're getting to know God. Some people walk in the doors of our church and have never encountered God. And sometimes they'll say, well, what do I need to do to fix my life? What do I need to do to climb out of this hole? And here's the thing about this. You can't do that by yourself. And programs and those kinds of things can be helpful. But the reality of it is, is Jesus is the one that we need to lean into the most. We would encourage you to spend time in prayer, spend time in your word, spend time worshiping with other believers, get plugged in and connected with other people because all of those things bring you back to one thing, proximity with Jesus. And proximity to Jesus is the thing that brings the most change 
in our life. Self-control starts with surrender to Jesus. So where do we go from there? You know, Pastor Sean, he did a great job preaching a couple of weeks ago, and I figured I would rip him off. So today I'm going to give you three more Sean's to help you figure out. I'm just kidding. If you don't know what I'm talking about, watch the message two weeks ago. Anybody appreciate Pastor Sean? He always brings me great, great inspiration in my life. We're going to move on past that now. I can't do it as well as he does. Self-control starts with surrender to Jesus. Romans 15.4 reminds us that whatever things were written before were written for our learning and that we, through the patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. And God's word leads us in some ways when it comes to this particular fruit of the spirit. Number one, self-control indicates what is happening on the inside of us. The way we respond to things, the way we react, and sometimes the way that we don't shows some things are going on inside of us that we may, may need to address. And Proverbs 25, 28 here speaks to this, how it actually makes us vulnerable. Like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. Now, this makes it difficult to control what's developing inside of you in that way. And it's going to impact what happens on the outside. Luke 6, 45, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. I didn't mean to say that. But the mouth speaks What's inside of you, what the heart is full of. Your fingers type what the heart is full of. The people do what our hearts are full of. That's why Proverbs 23 reminds us, above all else, guard your heart because everything you do flows from that place. Whatever is happening on the inside will eventually come out. And sometimes the things that we say or the things that we do because of undealt with issues inside of us, eventually they cause harm. And sometimes they cause harm to us and sometimes they cause harm to other people. Self-control indicates what is happening on the inside of us. So if you've maybe said something you wish you didn't say, not that any of you would do that, Maybe you've done something that you wish you did not do. This may be a great opportunity to stop and to evaluate what is that thing and maybe try to figure out why. And again, coming back to this place of being surrendered to Jesus, then you can take that thing and say, okay, I didn't realize this was why. God, I can't do this by myself. I need to trust you with this. I need to put it back into your hands in the 90s, there was a movement that was started among Christian youth with this phrase, WWJD. What would Jesus do? And many people embraced it and some people mocked it, but it gave us these very interestingly fashioned bracelets that we wore around. But the truth is that question could still be applied to our life right now. And with every opportunity that we're given where we could act out of Control, self-control could be applied. And Jesus is a beautiful model for this because he never did anything out of selfish ambition. He did everything he did to please his heavenly father and to draw us to him. So once we see that we're struggling with self-control in a specific area, we can stop, evaluate the root issue instead of just trying to treat the symptom. And maybe we can even ask, is this pleasing to the Lord? 
Was the way I responded to this person something that actually honored God? A lot of times we're so uh, mindful and careful about protecting how things impact us, but what about how those things that come out of us impact others? And is it pleasing to the Lord? If it's not, we can put it back in his hands. God, you take the lead with this because I'm not doing this very well. Because self-control starts with surrender to Jesus and self-control indicates what is happening on the inside. And maybe you've had a vehicle where this was the case, where your dashboard is lit up like a Christmas tree. And maybe at times like I have, you attempt to ignore those lights. I've been in some people's cars where there's a black backdrop and they have black electrical tape over the lights. That doesn't fix the problem. (laughs) Right, It may make you ignore the light, but it doesn't fix the issue. And here's the thing about those indicators. And we have these indicators in us and the Holy Spirit working through us when we ignore the indicators that there is an issue. The problem is it costs us more than we anticipated. Preventative maintenance is cheaper, less painful, and less time-consuming than a major overhaul. And that's true for a vehicle, but it's true for our hearts. It's true for our lives. It's true for our souls. Number two, self-control flourishes with good friends. And I say good friends specifically because the truth is we can have a lot of friends, but that doesn't mean that they're all good or beneficial for our faith journey, for our relationship with our family, for us to do the things that God's called us to do. You know, as a follower of Jesus, we can go to Jesus for forgiveness. He paid the price for my sin and your sin on the cross. And I thank the Lord for that. But the truth is he invented relationship. And because of his plan for our life, we don't have to do life alone. We can find a better life that includes healing for some of those issues and even self-control through life-giving relationships. James five sixteen. therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. I don't know about you, but there have been some times in my life where right before I was about to make a really stupid decision, something or someone stepped in and that moment had a conversation with me that kept me from making a mistake. And sometimes I needed that person to step into my life and they weren't there or I wasn't surrounded by the right people because I chose to hang out with not good people speaking into my life. And because of that, I missed opportunities or misstepped where God would have had me take a different course. You know, that's why Jesus, he sent his disciples out in twos. There's something to this thing about doing life with each other. It's why we work out harder with a trainer or a coach or a group or why we eat better when we're eating with people that are focused on their health like we are. It's why some people do better with a tutor, why sponsors or groups are helpful in a recovery journey because God didn't make us to do this life alone. You know, we talk about small groups in our church or jumping into serving in a ministry. It's not just because we want to get something for you with that. We know the benefit of that. It's not just to have another program. It's not even our our idea. It's God's idea. The early church began in Acts chapter two by meeting together and breaking bread and serving alongside of each other. That was God's idea. Why? Because God knows that we need people speaking into our life and that we bring something to the table to speak into their life. Ecclesiastes chapter four, 
Verses 9 and 10, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Woe to him who is alone when he falls. You don't just need someone there to cheer for you. Sometimes you need someone there to carry you. Proverbs 17, 17, a friend loves at all times. A brother is born for a time of adversity. And sometimes you need someone there to challenge you. You know, self-control flourishes with good friends because good friends help you get better even when it's hard. Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And that's not always easy. Iron sharpening iron is a biblical thing, but it is an abrasive thing. And it makes both sides better, but it's still abrasive, which makes it difficult. You have something to say to someone that's difficult to say, especially somebody that you love, or maybe you need to hear something like that. Some people would call that tough love. Well, the truth is it's not. It's just love. Because if I didn't love you, I wouldn't say. If I didn't care, I wouldn't step in to this. And I'm so thankful for good friends in my life that God has used brothers and sisters in the Lord in different seasons of my life to speak into my life, to cheer for me when I needed that, to carry me during hard seasons when I needed that, and to challenge me in ways that God would want them to, to point me back to Jesus. Proverbs 15, 23, a person finds joy in giving an apt reply and how good is a timely word. Thank you, Jesus, for timely words from good friends. Self-control indicates what is happening on the inside. It flourishes with good friends. And last but certainly not least, self-control improves with intentional steps of faith. And here's the thing about the steps of faith. They bring us back to the point of being surrendered to the Lord. We started this like that, right? Self-control starts with surrender to Jesus. Well, now we're saying we're going to take these steps of faith, and part of that is bringing us back to him. Psalm 119, 105 says, Your word, God's word, is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. And without the light, we can't see very well. The path can be dark at times. But in context to when the psalmist wrote this verse, they didn't have headlights, Right? They didn't have high beams. They didn't have LEDs that would throw hundreds of feet. At best, they had a candle or a torch or an oil lamp that would only throw a few feet of light. And for the path to continue to be illuminated, you have to continue to take intentional steps. You know, I think that self-control improves with intentional steps of faith, partially because God gives us an opportunity to trust him when we step into the unknown. Because sometimes we don't take a step of faith because of the fear of failure. Well, here's the thing about the fear of failure. If the fear of failure will keep us from more things than the fear will. It'll keep us more messed up even longer than the fear will. But God leans into that. Intentional steps of faith please the Lord. Hebrews eleven six. without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly or diligently seek him. There's a pastor, Pastor Greg Groeschel wrote a book the first couple of years I was in ministry 17 years ago when I first started. Um, he, it was called Confessions of a Pastor. I talked about all these things that he dealt with in an honest way and he was trying to help people navigate these things 
and kind of pull down the facade of pastors and that they got it all together. And if you don't, if you think pastors got it all together, you just need to hang out with me and Gary more often because we'll, we'll show you that that's not true. Can't speak for the rest of our pastoral staff. They're perfect. But us, we don't have it all together. But in this book, there's one thing in particular. And at the time, I was a student pastor. And so um, it was an illustration that really helped me with the teenagers that I was working with, middle school and high school students. But the truth is, it applies to all of our life. But he gave this thought about how to deal with our sexual desires and keeping our mind and our eyes and our body in a way that pleases the Lord. And the concept was called starve the sumo. And if you know anything about sumo wrestlers, they're two very large men typically that are wrestling and they're trying to get the other one outside of the circle. And the thing about the sumo wrestlers is that they are very heavy and very large. And part of that is that they are using their weight to their advantage, but it's not just the fact that they're heavy that's their advantage. They learn how to leverage their weight. And some of you may have played football like I did, but one of the things I learned being a lineman, I'm a big guy, I've been a big guy my whole life, but our coach would get on us because somebody smaller than us could knock us down if they got the leverage by getting lower. You had to learn how to use your weight to your advantage. Well, sumo wrestlers know how to do that very well. Well, when you look at a sumo wrestler, if you think that that sumo wrestler is that thing, whatever that issue is that you have with self-control, how do you win over something that's much bigger than you that always knocks you down? Well, it starts with the little things. Because this, this concept was started about sexuality, just processing that when it comes to sexuality, choosing to put a healthy boundary or stopping it when there's a sexual conversation happening with someone outside of your spouse or, or walking away when you're tempted by something you see, hear, watch, or click on. When it comes to substances that you struggle with or that are doing you harm that you struggle to have control over, whether it be food or alcohol or drugs don't buy it. Don't go where it's at. Don't go to that place. Don't go have dinner there. Don't hang out with those people regularly, whatever that thing is. Or when it comes to stuff that distracts you from things that really matter, like maybe something God's called you to do, and there's something that keeps getting in the way of that. Or making your family a priority, or that thing or situation or relationship that pulls you in the wrong direction if you starve the sumo. And you fight for the little victories and sometimes you win that battle, that moment you walked away, that moment you stopped having that conversation, that moment you stopped answering that phone call. Eventually those little victories will start to be in your advantage. And as you starve the sumo, you can start to walk victoriously. First John 2, 16 through 17, for everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life comes not from the father, but from the world. And the world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Jesus, he showed us this perfectly in simple things that he said. When he said, you've been told to hate your enemy, but I tell you to love your enemy. When somebody hits you, you've been told to hit them back, and I tell you to turn the other cheek. Jesus speaks right into this. We I have to process this when it comes to self-control. We can starve the sumo. Self-control indicates what's happening on the inside. It, it flourishes with good friends and improves with intentional steps of faith. And the beauty of all of this 
is that when we start fighting for self-control, when we make a decision that we're not just going to be in defensive mode all the time, but we're actually going to be intentional about this, and we start surrendering these things to Jesus, it's amazing because he'll show you what's happening on the inside and what you need to change it. He'll lead you to life-giving relationships. He will meet you at the intersections where you need to take the steps of faith and he'll help you go through it and grow through it and help other people because he doesn't waste anything, even the really hard stuff in our life. This week I posted on Facebook and I asked, what's the first thing that comes to your mind when you hear self-control? And there was quite a few answers. Some of you responded to that. Thank you for that. But over half of those answers, and I got a lot that were messaged to me privately and texted and, and passing with some folks, over half of those answers directly had to do with food. Now, you don't have to raise your hand, but you hear that little grumble? Like, everybody kind of understands. A lot of us process, because it's something we need, right? And it's something that we're advertised to constantly. And honestly, in the States, we have this issue than a lot of other places just because of access, you know what I mean? Like, who would have thought at 3 a.m. to go get a hot dog while you're putting gas in your truck? Like, I mean, I'm not saying they're not good hot dogs. I'm just saying, you know, we just, those, we just have access to this stuff that other cultures don't the way that we do. Well, here's the thing. This is my struggle, too. And not, not just with food as much as I, I struggle with carbohydrates and specifically with sugar. And the thing is, it's done damage to my body. And the thing that I've come to is even though I have felt defeated so much in this particular area, you know, I have people every once in a while that ask, how come you post your sweaty face on Facebook? It's because it's accountability. Because if I don't post that I go to the gym for a week, somebody will say, hey, how have you been doing at the gym when they know I haven't posted about it? And so there's an accountability there. Like the reason why I'm posting about it, and I know other people struggle with it too. And so if they see my big tail doing it, maybe it'll encourage their tail to do it. I had to slow down there for a second. <laughs> I don't have this thing completely figured out, but I haven't given up. And some of you may, in some areas of your life, maybe you've just given up and say, man, this is never going to change. Well, let me tell you something about Jesus. He's not given up on you. And that thing that feels impossible, he is the God of the impossible. Years ago in college, I took a speech class, and I may have shared this one time before, but I want to share it again. And we had to do a persuasive speech, and at the time, man, I was really on fire for Jesus. So I want to talk about the Lord, and there are certain things we weren't allowed to say. So I had to get very creative, and so I got to share the gospel with the chorus of an Eminem song. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's okay. You might not know this, but I have Tourette's syndrome, and during that season of my life, that because of that, I had a tick, I would twitch a lot, and I would stutter horribly, and especially if I was in front of people. I couldn't say five words without stuttering, so I had to do this persuasive speech, and I got to be honest with you, if I would have given myself a grade uh, that day, it would have been like a Z minus, like, didn't think I did good. On top of that, I also got written, I got graded on the written paper, and uh, that was my first A+. Plus. Maybe my only A-plus on the paper. I don't know. My first A-plus on a speech and A-plus on the paper in college. And th- th- those didn't come easily to me, not even in high school. I was a CD student. And uh, so I had, to, I had to work really hard. My brothers are both brilliant. And I just, didn't get, I just didn't get that comprehension thing the way that they did. 
But I remember that my teacher pulled me aside and I was kind of blown away that I got A plus on the paper and I definitely couldn't wrap my head around the speech because I stuttered through it so badly. And she pulled me aside and man, God used her to speak into my life in such a special way. And it wasn't a long conversation, but she said, God put you on the planet to write and speak hope into people's lives. And I hope you do it. And so I just started bawling like a baby. I'm really excited about the A plus still, you know, and I didn't know that my teacher was a Christian, but I said, but what about my stuttering? She said, God will help you with that. And he has in incredible ways. And I said, but what about my grammar? And she didn't even give God a chance. She said, no, it's really bad. Your grammar is really bad. <laughs> she said, but that's why they make editors. And the truth is I've had the pleasure of working with some great editors on some projects and the few that I've worked with, the thing is, is that I've had to learn how to trust them because God put something in me that they can't do. And he put something in them that I still haven't figured out. I don't know where commas go and sentences are suggestions. It's not even, I mean, with the, with, with periods, I don't know. I just, I can write a whole page and not stop. But I've had some good editors I've had to learn to trust, and I've had to learn to trust them with editorial control. Hebrews 12, 2 speaks of Jesus in this way, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Not only is he able to meet us and help us with this, he did this. He walked this out in obedience to God, self-control, but he's the author and the finisher of our faith. And he's the one that we need to look to, which brings us to our takeaway for today. We need to surrender and trust Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith and self-control will be a byproduct of that. There are some areas in your life that you are trying to fix and you will never be able to do it. Not because it's impossible, but because you need Jesus to help you do it. But you've got to trust him long enough for him to help you get there. You can trust him with the inner parts of your heart and your mind indicators that are telling you you need maintenance. You need to trust him with the life-giving relationships and the accountability and encouragement that you need and also that you can give to others. And for the steps of faith that you need to take in step with the spirit to produce all of the fruit of the spirit. Because self-control like all of the fruit, starts and ends with surrender. Let's pray. God, you are so good and you love us and you can do things that we can't. The one that raises people from the dead, the one that walks on water, the one that can bring dead men and women spiritually to life. God, I once was blind now I see. And God, you know us and you know what we need better than we do. And God, I pray in Jesus' name, under the sound of my voice, every person in this room, everyone watching online, everyone listening on the radio this week, God, that they would surrender those things to you. They would surrender those things to you, Lord God, that you can help them to deal with the inner stuff that's out of whack that you would help them to see these are the relationships they need, Lord God, to bring life to them and that they can bring life to 
God, you can help us to take the steps of faith, but it comes back to this point, God, John 15, five, you are the vine, we are the branches. If we will remain in you, we will continue to bear fruit. Jesus, help us be surrendered to you so that self-control is not just something that we desire, but something that we produce. All for your glory, for others to know you even.